My guest today is a very talented musician who's been in a number of bands from The Tangent to United Progressive Fraternity and his own solo project Manning. He has a brand new band called Demanic, who have a brand new album called On Track, just released. I'm pleased to welcome Guy Manning. How do you do? Good. How are you? How are you? I'm well, thank you. And you, Sal? Good. Nice to meet you, man. Uh, apologies, I've got a bit of a cough at the moment, so uh, no worries, I may no be worries. coughing occasionally. No problem. So where about the UK are you? If you come, if you come out of London and drive north for about four hours, <clears throat> you get to Yorkshire, Yorkshire, and we're in. Uh, well, this is Leeds, which is uh, one of the bigger cities in right. Yorkshire. Okay. So it's uh, about halfway up. Oh, halfway cool. Up. All right, cool, nice. So where are you based? Sorry. Uh, well, Sorry, no, no, where, I'm where? Uh, I'm down in Florida. Nice, very yeah. nice. I haven't been to that part of the world yet. I've been sort of east coast and you. New York, Philadelphia, sure. been down to Charlotte and uh, into the mountains and across to LA. So I didn't get, I didn't keep going. Oh, of course, I've been to Gettysburg for when we played Rothfest. But oh, that's but, cool. Yeah. Right. But <laughs> I haven't so, been out of Florida yet. Uh, you know, we don't get too many uh, prog bands down here in Florida. It doesn't <laughs> not a popular place for it. I can't think of many. Of them. I know that hail from Florida, but you probably have to tell me <laughs> tell me every one. I should imagine. No, there's not. There's not. I want to I want to go back a little bit on some of your background because I I wasn't familiar with everything you've done but I did some some research and you've been involved in quite a bit of stuff uh, mm-hmm. a lot of bands a lot of albums your your own solo career so what's you know for people that don't know you what you know what's your background and and all the stuff that you sort of done well I mean okay going back into the distant myths of time yeah. Um, you know, I've always been sort of interested in music, and I, I got into music probably around when I was about 14 or 15. Uh, one of my friends uh, introduced me to a lot of sort of what I call rock bands and prog bands at the time. And I started writing stuff, but I didn't take it particularly seriously. I started, you know, forming a few ad hoc bands and things, and uh, went through a number of sort of projects that almost made it but didn't quite uh, with labels. Um, through my twenties, and really, by that point, I'd sort of got a bit disillusioned with everything. But I carried on writing for myself. Then I decided I was going to, at long last, uh, after having coming out of my last, the last band I was playing with, I wanted to just record an album. It was one of those sort of milestone moments where everybody, you know, really wants to <laughs> release their own record at some point in their career if they're taking right. it seriously. So I started writing stuff and. Uh, I had enough to make a first solo album and I hawked it around everybody I could find that might be interested and nobody was interested, surprise, surprise. So um, I decided to release it myself on sort of mail order basis. Um, prior to that, I had been working with with Andy Tillison um, of The Tangent fame and um, in a band called Parallel 90 Degrees. Um, I was part of that for a short time. We, well, there were just the two of us at one point. Um, and we released sort of things, strange, odd bits and pieces, and some of it was uh, wrapped around Peter Hamill and Van de Graaff Generator, and we released an album called No More Travelling Chess, which was really all Van de Graaff material, apart from a couple of original pieces that we added. But I wanted to do my own thing, and um, started to put the, the material together for this first album. Nobody wanted it, so I started to release it on mail order, and then one of the record labels that I had approached about doing it changed their mind, and said, actually, having listened to it, we, we quite like it now. It's one. I, I always think that things take time to bed in, you know. Yeah. Um, and um, 
they said they'd like to release it. And so the first first album that I actually got out into the world, which wasn't on a cassette or a home burnt CDR, was the first album, which was called Tall Stories for Small Children. It came out on the Cyclops label, an independent UK progressive label, in 1999. <laughs> and between 1999 and some years later, I released 15 albums. <laughs> So I, I, I almost I did one a year basically between wow. 1999 until I ran out <laughs> ran out of um, at the same time as I was releasing all these albums and and I have to say that most of them were critically appreciated they didn't sell in great numbers but they were liked you know they were liked and they, and that was nice um, at the same time that that was happening Andy was also forming the Tangent and asked me to be part of the formative lineup for that. Right. So I was involved with the Tangent for the first four albums that they released um, before de before deciding to go off and do my other things that I wanted to do. And uh, carried on making my own records. And uh, when I got to the end of that and decided that I'd had enough, really, that the world did not need yet another Manning album, um, I decided to look around and do other things. And at that point, I was, you know, was one door shuts another one opens and a fella called young fella called mark truey truiak who used to be in a band called unitopia got in touch with me because i knew him quite well we'd had a sort of mutual appreciation club going um for some time and he said he was going to put another band together uh, now unitopia was on hiatus and it was going to be called the unify uh, Uni united progressive fraternity upf right. and would i help out and i said yes so we made the first upf album and toured that a bit and uh, that went down okay and then I settled down into writing what was going to be at that point United Progressive Fraternity number two album but Mark wanted a change of direction he wanted a change of sound and uh, and and I wasn't I wasn't comfortable with that I mean I think what he's doing is really good and I've heard what he's doing at the moment it's very interesting but it's nothing that I you know that I particularly you know resonate with um, and so I had this material I'd written and decided, well, I can either just leave it. Uh, the world doesn't need another Manning album, so I'm not going to do that. So I need to do something else. So I decided to form another project. And I asked um, a couple of the guys that I had, I had brought into UPF, in fact, which were Daniel, Daniel Mash on bass, who played with, who is still playing with Machine and had played with The Tangent some years before when I first met him. And obviously Marek Arnold, who plays the sax uh, saxophones and had got his own band, Seven Steps to the Green Door, Toxic Smile, quite a few bands in Europe because he lives in Germany. And Marek, Dan and I had become like the European arm of United Progressive Fraternity, the others being the Australians, um, Mark and, and the people who used to be in Unitopia. So I said, let's do our own thing. So we decided to sit down and work through all this material that I'd amassed and we picked out eight songs that we thought we'd like to do. Decided to call ourselves Demanic after DA for Dan and right. MAN for Manning and EK for Marek and uh, and then decided that we really could do with somebody who plays the keyboards better than I do. I mean I, I'm, not, I'm not bad, I can hold my own but I'd rather have somebody who's really really good. So I asked Sean, Sean Timms who was obviously the other half of Unitopia with Mark whether because he was doing Southern Empire, his own band, but I asked him if he'd be interested in helping out because I was friends with Sean as well, and he said yes. So it became the four of us, and that's how Demanic got formed, and we settled down to write to 
to record the eight songs I've written, and it's just been released, and that's it. That's right up to date. <laughs> that is up to date. Uh, yeah, you know, I was a big fan of the UPF album, uh, and when I heard this one, I didn't know uh, who was in the band. Right. And I just listened to it, and immediately I said, this sounds like UP UPF a little bit. Well, now you know why. <laughs> and I, so, yeah, that that made me feel good, because I, I, I realized it was you, and, and you know, that that's where the, that connection came from. Um, mm. I was, I was going to ask you if it was intentional that the sort of world music uh, vibe, uh, you know, that this album has um, was similar to UPF, if that was intentional, but obviously it was written for that purpose. So I think that yeah, that explains it was. It. I mean, the thing was, the reason I joined UPF in the first place was a number of reasons. One because I, one because I wanted to work with Mark. Two because we have a similar outlook on socio-economic uh, messages. We're very uh, aware of the state of the planet, and we had something to say, and we wanted to come together and say something. And we like like music, and and a lot of the influences on UPF were from me, I suppose. So. I've carried that on into you into what would have been UPF two, but I changed course and we dragged it back slightly away from what would have been the second UPF album to to make it slightly more unusual yeah. for uh, for a demonic. But yeah, you can see, obviously there's going to be influences in there because up to the last up to you know we're now up to the point we formed demonic. I heard Mark singing the songs and it was going to be UPF, I think. Hmm. Um, but they, as I say, they're working very hard. Now we'll be contributing to UPF two, as well. Um, so I've got some pieces to do for that. But Demanic, I wanted to do as a separate thing because they wanted to go off and do something. They were looking for a different sound, and Mark was working now with with Steve Unruh from Resistor in, in, in America very closely, and they had a different sonic template for how they wanted it to sound. And I quite like the way, if you know, Demanic is how I like to hear the music. Yeah. And this wasn't this wasn't going to be that. And I didn't really want to change too much what I'd done to make it sound like that, so I decided to keep it for myself, selfishly. And, uh, <laughs> no, and I, now it, it yeah, sounds please. good, man. I, it's a it's a surprisingly just addictive record. I think you know it. it I didn't know what I was going to listen to when I put it on, you know. And yeah, it's, it's so good. many different styles, and it's layered, and it's very interesting, and tons of instruments. It's it's just really cool, really cool stuff. I guess when you're recording it. It's just the four of you guys laying the sort of basic tracks, but by the time a song is done, it sounds like there's 20 people on there with a bunch of stuff going on. So, yeah, how much right. how much layering is you know goes into each track and and oh well, let's add timpanis, let's add this, let's add maracas, let's add, like when does it well, you know how does it progressive, evolve? Progressive rock we're talking about here. Yeah, that's you right. know, we could have done it on a, we could have done it on a four kazoos, <laughs> yeah. but it wouldn't have sounded as good. Um, the demos, I mean, I wrote most of the material. The arrangement hasn't changed that much from my original demos. What we had to do was record it with better people playing the, the parts. I mean, I can come up with, you know, backing drum tracks using, you know, robotic drums and everything. Right. But it doesn't, when, once Brody got hold of it, it took on a life of its own, you know. The right. drums made so much difference. And all the parts were stripped out and put back. So we needed guitar parts. I'd done some rough ones. And then we had Antonio Bitozzi and Luke Machin come in to do their guitar parts. And of course, every time we take something out and put them in, it adds to the sonic texture of it all. So they're working on layering by us stripping out things and putting things back into replace. Yeah. And in the end, it all ends up on Sean's hard drive in Adelaide. 
and he sifts through all the parts and goes, well, we don't need that keyboard, cutting room, we don't need that guitar, out yeah. it goes, until he's left with, that's the what, that's what I want to hear, and then he starts to work on it. So his job was to pare down all the dense arrangements I'd done, you know, and take out the, you know, the 15 symphonies and the brass sections and everything that I put in, and just leave what he thought was the most important bits there and make it sound as good as he could, which he's done a remarkably good job on, I think. Yeah, for sure. Because it is a complicated album. It sounds quite simple, but actually it's not. No, no, not not in the least. Well, n- not even the, um, well, the first track, uh, how do you come up with a title like that and and try to force singing that in there where it actually sounds like it fits? It's not a common word that you would sing. Well, Nanabozo, it's a, it's a real story. The Nanabozo and the Rainbow is a folklore story from the Chippewa tribe up near Michigan, up that area of America. Mm-hmm. The Chippewa tribe have their folklore, and Nanabozo, or Nanabush, as he's also known, is a trickster god. He's a bit like Loki, you know, in Thor, you know, Thor mythology, okay. North, North mythology. He's a trickster. He, he's mischievous. He, li- he likes to dabble. And he goes out one day and he decides that the world's a very boring place and it's not colourful enough, so he starts to paint it. So he takes all these paint cans out and starts painting trees and painting the flowers and making them all bright colours. And while he's doing that, it's starting to rain and he's sitting out there cross-legged with his paintbrushes and these bluebirds are flying around him. They dip down, fly across the paint cans, their wings touch the paint, up they go into the sky, the rain mixes with the paint and you get this rainbow. And Danabozo says, hey, that looks really nice. We're going to keep that. And that's how the rainbow was created. So Nanabozo and the Rainbow is actually based on a true uh, Native American folklore story. Oh, hey, <laughs> very cool. So do you, write the, uh, do you write that song first with the story? You have that story in mind and decide you want to use that? Or the, the music was done for that one first? Um, it depends. I mean, sometimes I'm writing to order. Things like Dark Sun. I knew exactly what I wanted to write about, and I had the title and idea for it before I settled into writing the music. With Nana Bozo, I started working with rhythms, and they were quite sort of tribal, sort of dum 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 type yeah. type of rhythms. And I thought, well, that sounds Native American, so I started doing some in my own research. I do tend to do a lot of research around the uh, subject matter for each song, and uh, came and found this happened to stumble across these folklore stories, and I happened to read that one and like it. And I thought. That's a great story for a song, you know, um, and decided to, to adopt it. So I took it as my own. And, the, and, and But I do credit the I do credit the Chippewas. It's all right. Yeah, uh, but 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 uh, yeah, so I, it was really more to do with research. And it just seemed to fit the uh, the mood of the piece. Yeah, it does. So I adopted yeah. it. So it really depends on, you know, what I'm doing at the time. You know, Big Parade again. I knew I wanted to write about the, f- the, the stupidity of war and greed and, and all the rest of it and i didn't want to do it in a conventional you know so we're all going to die doom and gloom way right. so i wanted to do it in a sort of more peculiar way so i, I went for a sort of a vaudeville a vaudevillian approach with a dixieland central section you know yeah. because it's that juxtapose of a of a really serious subject matter against a really silly um to be to be honest a really silly arrangement which makes it sort of stick in your memory you know and so I'm always looking to try and give some vehicle to the messages I'm trying to say, and I just pick the right one, hopefully for the right track. Uh, yeah, and then there's the the first single, uh, "Long Time Shadow Falls," which 
You just yeah. did the video for, which is all yep. animals and, and imagery, and, and I guess about the species going extinct and protecting the animals yeah, and that type of that's thing. That's right. It's about ivory poaching. Um, I mean, ivory, we hear a lot about ivory poaching and killing African elephants, hippos, and rhinos for horn and horn material and ivory. But also, apart from the ivory trade, there's people, you know, there's just more people growing. The villages are growing and they need to eat. And if they're starving, they'll kill anything that's. That's put, they can put on the table, yeah. you know, and uh, so it's not just. I mean, ivory poaching is just despicable. I mean, the whole of that, you know, don't get me started, but all of that trade should be eradicated. But that's not the only reason these animals are dying out. But it, it the common theme is they're dying out because people are shooting them, and right. killing them, um, and for whatever reason. And so, long time Shadow Falls was a song, sung from the animals' point of view, about their decline at the hands of, of man, basically. And I thought it was an important message. I still do. And there's a whole canon of songs about this sort of stuff out there. And it's just one more, one more voice in a growing concern about that part of, part of ecology. Well, you know, there's there's been sort of a movement with progressive music in particular about writing about more social and 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 world issues. I think you know Andy with the Tangent is is clearly doing that with with the new album and and oh, some yeah. other stuff that he's done before. I mean, obviously, you think that's important, but do you is that sort of more discussed among the community of, of musicians you know and that type of thing? Like, we can, we can actually say something with the music we're doing? I don't think there's any type of uh, clandestine, progressive, socio-economic, anarchic party being created somewhere. But, I mean, I've worked with Andy for a long time. I've known Andy for 40 years. Um, and we've worked on lots of things. And we have a lot of similar similar ideas on things i think we approach the way that we tell our messages in different ways i think andy's far more anarchic in markets more in your face than i am i try to paint a picture and put the you in into the picture and let you experience it and come to your own conclusions. but we're still concerned and i've been writing about global warming you know since, 19, since the 80s right you know uh, so it's nothing new for me it's just that you're right, there seems to be a, a more of a trend becoming noticeable with progressive musicians having something to say for a change rather than creating simple fantasy vehicles. Right. Yeah, it's moved um, away from that. It's not the wizards and dragons thing that, that some people yeah. tend to still think I don't it think is. I can't, I, you know, it, I want, it's never really been Lord of the that. Rings. I can't think of any wizards. That, I, I'm very hard pressed to to go back and think about lots of bands that were singing about wizards no, and elves. No, but it, it always it has that connotations for some reason. Well, you know what I, I mean? It's I don't like get a it. weird thing. I, I don't understand that. No, but it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't <laughs> really do that. You're right. No, it doesn't. And and I say the the voices of the of the people who are getting more articulate and everything, and have something to say. The more that message goes out, the more it's recognised, and the more people that that latch onto that message, the more it's uh, resonated, the more it's expanded, the more it's duplicated and shared and therefore we are going to get more attention and suddenly it becomes it looks like there's this sudden switch to talk about social and political um you know problems and issues but that's not the case it's been going on for a, a number of years it's just gathering momentum to the point of which it's you know the bubble's about to burst and if you happen to think in the same way that that we do that'll be a great comfort to you 
And if you happen to have a completely counter view to what we're talking about and think it's a lot of old rubbish and we should go back to talking about wizards and elves, <laughs> then unfortunately it's not, you know, it's it's not going to happen from me. But, <laughs> right. but uh, you know, I'll take that on board. And as I, somebody, when we did play Summer's End, we played the Summer's End Festival in the UK. And one of the only criticisms I saw of our performance, because we went down really well, was that, that somebody wrote in a review that they thought my lyrics were a bit too earnest, <laughs> a little too concerned. So I wrote to them and said, well, if you make the world a better place, I'll write the next one about wizards and elves. <laughs> um, so it's a, it's a thing, you know, if, if we don't have any problems anymore, I'll have to find something more magical to write about. That's right, yeah. But at the moment, we've got plenty of problems, so I've got no shortage of material. That's for to be sure. Honest. That's for sure. What's uh, what's next for for the band? I mean, is this a project you think you'll stick with and, and maybe do more shows and a second album, or what, what's what's going to be next? Uh, well, the current plan is to sit down in autumn um, and discuss Demanic Two. I've written Demanic Two. Okay. Um, um, there's enough material to write Demanic Two and Demanic Three, to be honest. But. Um, We've got to decide whether the band in, in its current lineup is going to stay, you know, or whether we're going to change the lineup. It's about availability. It's a, it, it isn't, it's not really a revolving door type of a project. I would like to, I'd like everybody that played on Demanic 1 to play on Demanic 2 if possible, but that's not always the case. Right. And besides which, you know, we've all got to, having tested the waters with On Track and been, yeah, fairly successful, let's not. Yeah, you know, I can blow my own trumpet. I think I'm very happy with the reception that the album's had, Great. and the reviews have been fantastic across the board, to be honest. So I'm happy that we've got a pro we've got something that people like, and I'm happy that the material I've got ready is equally good, you know. But if no, if if the others have got to buy into that, you know, I can carry I can carry them along with my vision only so far. They've got to. I want more input from them, really. A lot of the Demanic One was really my album with everybody helping. Now I want it to be our album with everybody helping. Um, so that we are looking for more input and getting them more involved in it earlier. So this cool. autumn we'll sit down and decide to do that. In terms of live shows, that's always going to be a problem with Sean being in Australia and Marit being in Germany and, and the, so forth. Right. So we've got if we want to do it, we're going to have to think logistically how we can do it. I mean. If you ask us, would we like to do it, we'd undoubtedly say yes. If you ask us whether we can afford to do it, we'd have to scratch our heads for a while and work out because it's not so easy to take a live show internationally funded yeah, yeah, it's, it's, and put it's it on the road. When everybody's make, scattered. You know, yeah, plane tickets from Australia to Europe are not cheap. <laughs> right. You know, um, even if we, we'd have to have a lot of dates and they'll all have to pay a reasonable amount of money, not greedily. You know, but enough to be able to cover the costs of doing it. If we can do that, we'll play. That's not a problem. So we'll we'll probably end up looking for festivals. I don't think we'll be loading our gear in the back of vans at two o'clock in the morning into clubs and pubs. But uh, but I think we may do festivals if we're invited. Very cool. Yeah, that's good. I mean, at least there's some festivals in Europe that 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 seem to to be doing well uh, still. Yeah, it's nice. I'd like to go back and do Rosfest again. I thought that was a great experience. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to do Rosfest and do some, a couple of some more American dates because we didn't have a chance to do that the first time around. We really flew in and flew out again. Right. Um, we, we've done a bit of Europe. That'd be nice to go further afield in Europe and travel a bit further down. We never got as far as Italy, for example, which I right. thought was a shame. So that, there's lots of things I'd love to do, but it all comes down to, unfortunately, much as we all love the music, we're not, if I won the lottery, 
there would be absolutely no problem. I'd take us all on the road <laughs> and hire pantechnicians <laughs> to carry all the gear and roadies sure. and all the rest of it. But uh, at the moment, we're all hard-working, you know, day-job people most of the time and right. uh, do this as a, a passionate, passionate hobby. Well, cool. Guy, pleasure to meet you, man, and talk. This was fun. I love the record. I look forward to the next one and uh, wish you all the best. We'll talk soon. Thank you very much. So I apologize to anybody who's fallen asleep halfway through this. No, yeah. that's okay. Good for okay, cool. to learn well, something. Well, thank you very much for, for having me. Okay. Um, I'll let you know about Manic 2 sometime around November. Absolutely. Thank you. <coughs> See you later. Yeah, take care of that cough. I'll, I'll do the best I can. Yeah, bye. bye then. Thanks to Guy for the interview. Don't forget to pick up the new album by Demanic called On Track. We're going to close with a track off that album called Long Time Shadow Falls. For upcoming news and interviews, please check theprogreport.com, follow us on Facebook, at The Prog Report on Twitter, or download the podcast on iTunes. Thanks.
pictures in a glossy magazine. 